0: Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hello, Amanda. We are here today with a book recommendation episode, a fresh one. They're always fresh when we post them, to be fair, but (laughs) this one's super (laughs) fresh. We are here to recommend a book to you, the listener, today. If you've never encountered our podcast before, welcome. You have found the perfect episode to start with because you don't have to have read this book to listen to this episode. We are going to try and persuade you today to read a book with us. If you, as I mentioned, are unfamiliar with our project, We are the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find social media accounts for us at Instagram and Facebook at the Lightly Literary Podcast. All one word. We update there about the books we've been reading, kind of the pace and cadence. You can keep up with what we're reading there and find book recommendations and everything. Reminders, helpful stuff, information and whatnot. And you know, like and review us on wherever you found this episode. You surely found it somewhere online, a podcast portal of some variety, some location. So if you find it in your heart to do so, we'd love a recommendation and, uh, you know, a review or something that always helps. As I mentioned, we are here today to recommend a piece of literature to you in the hopes that you'll read it with us for the next two weeks. We always do two weeks to analyze the book. We, We split the book in half metaphorically, and then we cover part one and then part two on always on Fridays. The book we're here to talk about, I've been dancing around, but let's get to it, Amanda. This book you chose <laughs> is called Wild in America, and that's wild with an E, as in the the author Oscar Wilde, by David M. Friedman. This is a nonfiction book. Amanda, I believe the prompt I gave you for picking this, because we always do prompt and pick alternatingly, so I gave her a prompt and she picked the prompt, I believe, was just pick nonfiction because you had not yet, <laughs> at least not entirely so, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that is exactly what the prompt was. Any nonfiction. Right,
0: <laughs> just get some nonfiction in there. We'd been fiction heavy, which, you know, I think is by design anyway. That's our preference. But now we're, after this, we're on a bit of a nonfiction spree. So we're we're yeah. in nonfiction land. At any rate, can you tell us why you chose it?
1: Um, I chose it because it was something that you and I had talked about um you had bought the book before thinking that it would be a good book for um a book club for us and um and you were talking about it and and I enjoy Oscar Wilde as an author so I was quite interested in in the idea of like Wilde as a celebrity so I decided to go with the book
0: Yes, I was lured in by the title because I thought it would include lots of his writings about America, which I'd seen clips of before, and it kind of does, but kind of doesn't. It's a different project than I anticipated, but perhaps in a surprisingly great way. Listener, you'll have to listen to this episode to find out if we liked it. (laughs) At any rate, I'm going to read briefly from the cover just because we like to give a sense, especially we know you listeners have probably never read this and are Checking in to see if you'd like it. So, I'm going to briefly read from the cover just the description of it. Uh, As Friedman shows, Wilde was no mere clown, he was a strategist. From his antics in London to his manipulation of the media, he designed every move to increase his renown. There had been famous people before him, but Wilde was the first to become famous for being famous. Wilde in America is an enchanting tale of travel and transformation, comedy and capitalism, an unforgettable story that teaches us about our present as well as our past, which as these cover descriptions tend to go, is pretty lofty, but I don't know, a good amount of it deserved, I think. Let's get Mm -hmm. into the book recommendation, Amanda. We always start the book recommendations with a reading simile, where we compare reading this book to something. Go ahead and throw out your simile, Amanda. What was reading this book like?
1: Sure. I said uh, reading this is like a piece of textile design, like a quilt or a tapestry or something that has taken such a long time to complete that as the artist has aged, the design is not as tightly executed. There may be some repeating patterns and some completely different images that seem not as closely linked to the original theme. But when you take a step back, it's still uh, a very pleasant experience overall.
0: Oh, OK. So something that they've been working on for a long time. In your mind mm-hmm. got it
1: it's yeah something that's been this so long in completing that there are some pieces where it doesn't seem to quite fit because they get distracted or they're trying something new or mm-hmm. right but it does all kind of like tie together in the A end. A pleasant hole.
0: Dare I ask yeah. uh, you to read into your own simile or explain it? <laughs> Is it as literal <laughs> as you made it sound? <laughs> it's it's
1: yeah pretty literal. <laughs> okay
0: yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll throw mine out there then. I said that reading this book is like taking a day trip to an amusement park. Uh, Especially, I was thinking in this analogy, a a water park to me reads this way. Now, to be clear, I hate all amusement parks because I'm scared of heights. So to me, the whole Uh, thing is sunk cost. Like, I don't, (laughs) I'm never going to get my money's worth out of that experience, though, you know, I'll tag along. I can eat funnel cake, you know, but at a... professional rate but anyway so this is i'm imagining this for another human (laughs) for me the assembly does not work but for many people it would so here's the point of the assembly like after 3 p.m at those places let's say you show up at disneyland at like 6 a.m you're, you're out there to grind and see it all i just think there you hit a time of day of exhaustion where you know you're experiencing something objectively as exhilarating. You know, it's the same ride it was in the morning, but it does kind of wear off. Like the sun has beaten you down a little bit. And so you can look at the ride and say, this should be as exciting as the first one of the day. But I just don't think it is for most people. I say Mm. all of that in relation to this book because I think it comes in incredibly hot. And the first half is really gripping, kind of fascinating, and he's making some great arguments, and Wilde's life is just fascinating to follow because he was such a a character in real life. I think maybe the final two chapters, not the epilogue, flag a bit for me. It, It maybe did go on a touch long, but it does make a Quite a potent first impression, I think, especially for the sheer history, hist- historiography? I don't the history work, the scholarship <laughs> being done. Mm-hmm. So that's my analogy yeah. or simile. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's great.
0: You you do throw up your hands in some of the early chapters, like what a ride, you know, it's, it is pretty (laughs) fun. But yeah, again, I I think we on the podcast, if you listen in later listener, you'll hear us in part two, chapter nine, especially just kind of felt like a wheel spinning to me. But you know, that's one of nine chapters. So a lot of it is pretty thrilling. So
1: yeah, I agree.
0: Well, let's move on to the scripted pitch. This is the part of the podcast where we have pre-written something. We've prepared something in advance to read to you as a means of persuasion to, again, read this book with us. Amanda, I'm going to have you go first this week. What is your um, constructed pitch? What's your scripted pitch?
1: Sure. Uh, Many of us have encountered Oscar Wilde in some form or other, whether it's to read one of his plays, probably The Importance of Being Earnest, or to discuss the concepts of satire or epigram. We have at least heard of the author and probably know little of his life, especially the last bit of his life. This book is not a biography. It's not literary criticism of Wilde's works. It certainly includes some of those elements, but this work is actually an analysis of a part of Wilde's life that is not a part of the widely taught Wilde curriculum. Um, This is Wilde's tour of America before he was ever a famous writer. Friedman offers his readers insights into the persona of Wilde, the person others saw in him, and the person Wilde presented to the public. He does all this to argue that Wilde created the modern idea of celebrity and to compare Wilde to several celebrities throughout the book. Um, While, and I should say modern celebrities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Wilde taking pains to support his thesis with simple diction, transitions, and chapter titles. This is an interesting read about someone you may think you know, or may not know at all, presented clearly and with plenty of great first-hand research from a variety of sources, including some of Wilde's infamous epigrams.
0: Yeah, did did you think, or do you think, rather, it illuminated your knowledge of Wilde's kind of literary life at all? Because you're right, it's not a work of criticism... It doesn't deal with that basically at all. <laughs> but did you still come away with any new thoughts about his work, his literature?
1: It made me think more about um, the connection between what he wrote, the things that I've read, and yeah. his adherence to the aesthetic movement that he was lecturing on right. in America. And um, it just kind of... Made me rethink my, my knowledge of, of what he wrote and of who I thought he was based on what I've been taught before.
0: Totally. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my pitch now. And it is, I, mine kind of has a duality to it along those lines too. So I'll jump right in here. Oscar Wilde is the ever popular among undergraduates, master of wit and rhetorical takedowns, was a fraud, as it turns out. I, kind of in a ma- aforementioned type, Uh, who admired Wilde's writing, found that simple fact pretty shocking, and I don't mean to imply that his literary masterpieces were faked or forged or anything like that, but this book makes it clear that his career started with a bout of celebrity, not as an authoritative kind of interesting voice in English literature, so for a while he was a fraud, and this book documents his kind of fraudulent life in, in a sense. If that shocks you or disappoints you, then I think it's beyond time you get a copy of this book because I knew very little about Wild and I thought it was just all very fascinating. But if that's So that's one perspective, but if kind of oddball allusions to an author you know nothing about didn't work just then, then I'll try a different approach to persuade you to read this book. This book in quite a clear, and I mean this is a compliment, middle school style thesis it lays out, it prevents a very clear case why Oscar Wilde was America's first celebrity, or maybe even the first in the globe, in in a sense. And it's a Mm -hmm. compelling case. Not a perfect case, but compelling... He Oscar Wilde cavorts with famous people And desires their approval He overstates his accomplishments To friend and foe alike constantly He receives rampant criticism Some of it really personal And really overly vicious But a lot of it, almost nearly all of it Justified based on his, you know, what he had achieved And yes, comfortingly enough for us In the 21st century He is desperate and eager to get paid all the while So it's definitely a work of commercial He's a commercial person <laughs> um, It is cohesive and clear The Case the author makes perhaps the biggest fault of the book is that by the final third i would say he has made it so well that the welcome is maybe a bit overstayed i think there's some parts that are maybe overly done at the ending but nonetheless there's so much to love it's salacious and sincere about the book so it kind of fits wild in that sense too and i think i mean i know i made the case for the for the oscar heads out there but if you even have a passing interest in celebrity this will give you such an interesting glance at the way that kind of came about or some of the early examples of perhaps the the modern form of it. So that would be the other person who I think those are the two easiest persuasions, right? If you read People magazine and you want to like step back into history for something interesting or if you just love Oscar Wilde, I think it's a home run for both groups, really.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: And quite readable again considering yeah. the the density of the research and everything the magazine takedowns alone are worth picking this up for because the he he gets just about every newspaper clipping i think ever written about wild across the country <laughs> <laughs> and includes it in this book so it's if you just like newspapers absolutely slandering a man just absolutely barbarously destroying this man <laughs> in d- description that are attempting to anyway wild obviously did just fine despite the criticism so but yeah it's there's some really harsh stuff in here too from critics so
1: yeah and includes some caricatures too of mm-hmm. yeah of, um, wild that's true his you know his
0: visage not as big as they made it seem but i guess that's what characters are all about so what are you gonna do Okay, that's our scripted pitch or scripted pitches. Let's move now to the quote for clarification. This is when we actually read a part of the book, a small small selection to give you a sense of the writing style and the approach and kind of just talk about what we liked or maybe even didn't about it. Go ahead Amanda with your quote for clarification.
1: Sure, mine was from page 171 and it says um On, he went for 90 minutes. This is about Oscar Wilde. On, he went for 90 minutes offering the kind of advice that, a century later, would make a very rich woman of Martha Stewart. Mm. I kind of laughed at that, the idea of Oscar Wilde as like a Martha Stewart (laughs) figure. Gosh. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah um but perhaps pretty fitting they both did go to jail um (laughs) not fittingly for Wilde. can we can we take
0: our 21st century morality and project it into the past it's like such an inhumane ending by by our certainly our moral standards and definitions
1: but uh, you would have hoped even for the past but alas no yeah um but I thought that this was pretty interesting because uh, this is an example of how um, the author Friedman is is constantly making allusions to modern celebrities. Yes, Not constantly, yes. but he does it several times right. um, to to kind of like point out that the the research that he has done is relevant and it is something that does tie to modern America, um, which I found really interesting. And, and I think it was smart of him to include some of these um, allusions to people that. You know he who may not have known Oscar Wilde definitely know of Martha Stewart and he mentions Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and others as well. Right, right. Um, so that was pretty smart of him, um, and uh, the advice that he offers too. It's um, the lectures that Wilde gives in America, although he does not actually like include the lectures themselves in the book. Um, he does sometimes give us excerpts of. Of the lectures and it's all about beautification and in this case um, it was the beautification of the home which made me think of obviously with Martha Stewart like her whole magazine and I just imagined Oscar Wilde on a magazine cover like holding up this new lamp or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't think the book is replete with modern references, but it is just enough to make to remind you of the project at work that he is trying mm-hmm. to make that claim and connections across time for sure. Right. I don't think it it's probably not as dense with that as maybe I joked earlier about somebody picking up like the people magazine at the checkout aisle. It's probably not as dense with those things as that person would hope, but it has definitely enough to engage for sure. Yeah, at least if you're willing to meet the book is the book is an academic project, but still so readable. And those references are mm-hmm. there. I pulled the quote from 91. I, I will admit here I really had a hard time not picking a quote that was just a newspaper takedown of wild because some of them really popped to me. I don't you can tell that the kind of slander and was it liable. What's the what's the term for defaming someone? I forget. Anyway, you can tell that those laws in America are are just not as strict as like Britain, because some of these are just like lies. (laughs) And it would be you. I don't know. Anyway, it's very tabloid like, I guess. But on page 91, I chose a different quote instead from the from the author. He says this is about his uh, photography sessions. For Wilde, it was a matter of control, or more accurately, regaining control, of something extremely important to him, his image. As a great talker, he never undervalued the importance of being heard, but he knew it was equally important to be seen. As a student at Oxford, he had fashioned his image almost exclusively through visual statement. Eccentric, aesthetic clothing, unusual hair length, an intentionally languid posture, which is commented on a lot, and near-constant posturing, all of it conceived to show his classmates that he was someone called to greatness. For a while, or at least uniqueness, that's my commentary. For a while, he had to be content (laughs) with merely looking the part, but when he won the Newdigate Prize for Poetry, Wilde's belief in his own readily visible genius was confirmed, where to him it mattered most, in public. So, a lot of things about that quote I think are representative. It is both a clear argument with plenty of evidence to back it up like nice and smoothly integrated it gives you a sense of Wilde's personage and you know just his life his personality so it's you know it's got the good research but it also states a pretty clear argument at the end and so you're not like lost in a hundred thousand references and trying to understand some really high level nuanced complex thing it's all just very readable the case is laid out clearly and you know In that, I think there's a lot of just fun anecdotes you get about somebody who is really trying to put on a presentation of themselves. And it's kind of, you can make, in that paragraph, for example, you can make the connections across time for yourself and just think of the connections or comparisons to modern celebrities and fashion, things like that, and, you know, public Mm -hmm. appearances. So I just thought that was a good snapshot of style. Just nice and clean. Again, clear argumentation. It wasn't the most fun quote that I really wanted to pull, but I thought it, you know, it had the best maybe feeling about it.
1: Yeah, it, it, clean and, and very to the point um, with his diction and his um, word usage. He's not trying to, he's writing some, something academic, but not trying to make it sound academic. For sure.
0: And he yeah. does not, crucially, does not try to one-up Wild in terms of wit and playfulness, which... Yeah. I, you know, in terms of literary history, it might be impossible. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever quite done it like Wilde <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> did. So you know, that's a fool's errand. But he, I think, he does have his fun though. Like he gets some quips in. You know, he has his moments. The author has David Friedman has kind of little turns and little commentary bits in there and stuff too. And so yeah, and I think the analysis just feels very smooth. There, there are some conclusions that perhaps uh, carefully enough. But I I think even if you're an active reader, I don't think that his cases are pretty clearly and cleanly made. So there's nothing egregiously – there's no egregious arguments made, at least we didn't find. So yeah, yeah, all pretty crisp in terms of thought. Let's move now to the final section, the final segment of the recommendation, the literary knapsack. This is where we give you one piece of reading advice or, you know, literary advice, some kind of thing to look out for in the book to be aware of when you're reading it to prepare you for your journey. Amanda, could you go ahead with your choice for the literary knapsack?
1: Sure. Um, So mine usually is it it is um, applied to. Fiction, but I yeah. thought that it could also almost apply in this case. So, um, I chose the word, yeah, I chose the word anti hero, which is a main character in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Although anti heroes may sometimes perform actions that are morally correct, it's not always for the right reasons. Often acting, here's the the big part, primarily out of self interest, or in ways that defy conventional ethical codes. Definitely Oscar Wilde. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. But um, I I chose this idea because the way that he is pre- that um, Friedman presents Oscar Wilde in this book is. You would think going into this, um, because he did so much research on Wilde, that Friedman would be just gushing about the amazing genius of Wilde throughout. But actually, he goes like kind of back and forth between praising and also kind of like pointing out some of his failings as well. So he, he takes yeah, a more... Yeah. Um, broad view of Wilde as a person, making him seem more actually human in a lot of ways um, than just this literary god in a lot of ways. Um, Right. I actually pulled um, a quote of him kind of poking fun at Oscar Wilde. This is from page 176. Um, This is when Wilde is on tour and he is... um, on a boat and he smells the sewage and he's just like so grossed out by it. So, uh, so overtaxed Mm -hmm. were Wilde's delicate sensibilities by this olfactory intrusion that the master of provocation was provoked to bolt from the deck. So, um, here we can tell he's poking fun because there's a, a change in diction throughout the entire book. As you had mentioned, it's like written in a way that's very approachable. It's not like he's trying to use big words or anything like that. But this, the way that he wrote this sentence, is more like Wilde's way of speaking, which you can see mm-hmm. in some of the interviews he includes. Um, so he's making fun of Wilde in this way, and just kind of, I thought that he he the way that he characterizes this person is um, is more. Realistic, and therefore, I thought more like an anti hero in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I think given Wilde's literary reputation, which at this point in history, these things can always change, but is pretty much. Unapproachable. It's it's really firm, (laughs) you know. That his genius is pretty well held up. So
1: yeah,
0: that's how I approached it too. I had never really known anything about his life. Just had encountered some of his works, and you know, thought they were pretty great. So it does come as quite a shock to see him portrayed in such a vulnerable kind of human way. And I think you said it perfectly. The author goes back and forth. I think. In the end, I maybe read it as more critical than complimentary, but I think a case could be made honestly in either direction. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it really does bounce back and forth, so... For my literary knapsack pick, I've chosen primary sources. I went over to the history section of the library for this one. The main reason I want to mention primary sources, which are, in case you forgot from middle school and high school history classes, these are just original source documents that are from the time period in question, or they come directly from it, or people directly involved with the event. In this case, the event would be Oscar Wilde's Life and Time in America the only reason I bring this up is because one, there's so many, a lot of quotes, a lot of documentation from primary sources, especially newspapers, as I joked about earlier. But I think it's important to note interwoven with those are also primary sources that were personal. And I think that if you're not paying careful-ish attention, you might, for example, at one point I read a letter and there was a person who wrote a personal correspondence in a letter that really like harshly critiqued wild. And I just thought like, my God, who in the public, if you like, who's criticizing people like that nowadays, but it was a private letter. So, you know, it's like making fun of someone behind their back. I just Mm -hmm. think the tone of some of these, you just got to make sure you know where it's coming from. And the author makes it really easy to do. So he's very clear when he states a source and makes it clear where it came from and who said it and everything. But it's just worth noting that there's some really biting stuff in here that and some was public and some was private it's just keep an eye out for that as you're reading it because yeah he makes it easy enough to follow but even i kind of got lost in it at times and it's important to track that yeah yeah a lot of primary source documentation in this one for sure any that you remember loving the most
1: oh man i just i really enjoyed um the bit of of wild's take his uh his take on the lectures, the success of his lectures and stuff. And then, and then Friedman being like, eh, that's an exaggeration. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's true. Seemingly no claim about his financial success or the popularity of his tour was real (laughs) according to the record. So yeah. (laughs) Excellent. let's end on that then. That's as fitting an end for this. Hopefully we persuaded you to read along with us for the next two weeks. As I mentioned, the schedule is that we put book club episodes out every Friday. So check the, feed then for part one or you know whenever you get around to reading this book we do have a books upcoming that we've chosen as well we're not going to dwell on them on this episode for too long but i do want to mention them so if this one didn't appeal to you and we didn't persuade you to read with us we can at least have these on the record um, and you can look into them the next three books that we've chosen in order are tracks by louis erdrich churchill and orwell the fight for freedom by thomas e ricks and born a crime by trevor noah so kind of tracks as a novel but our um, nonfiction non hot street continues here amanda yeah the pod gotta get back to fiction soon i think we have some other selections that will get us there over time here on the pod as always we thank you so much for listening we hope you join us and as always we'll see you between the pages